Come on, amen. Today, uh, today we, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. Today is the uh, day we celebrate the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church, the birth in, in a, a church filled with power and a church that's filled with anointing, an overcoming church. So we celebrate that, and I pray that each one of you, we, we will embrace the Holy Spirit in our life, no matter what our, our background or where we have come from, whether we're you know, from the, the Baptist or the Pentecostal, the Holy Spirit is a very real necessity in our lives. And we need to come into a place of personal relationship with him and calling upon him and asking him to lead us and to guide us and to do what he wants to do in and through us. It is, it is God that he is here in our presence and he fills us. We're going to talk about this as we go through the Gospel of Luke. We'll, we'll talk a lot about that um, because the Gospel of Luke tells us, again, so much about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things that the Gospel of Luke's gonna tell us about that sometimes we may not confront, we may not deal with. I'm gonna talk about some things today that probably will make some of you mad. <clears throat> I haven't even told you yet. We're, we're, you know, again, we're just following along in Scripture, and we're in Luke chapter 4, and we are moving into this next set of Scriptures in verses 31 through 41. And so this is going to cause us to have to look at some things that normally we may not look at. We're, we're going to, like we always do, obviously, we look at Jesus, and we're going to look at Jesus and the reality of Jesus. But we're also, as we go through this, we're going to look at Satan, and we're going to talk about demons. Wait a minute. That's not what I came to church for. Not what the demons came to church for either. We have seen a lot of Jesus' ministry and a lot of his earthly ministry as Jesus was baptized, came into the uh, baptism of the, in the Jordan and the Holy Spirit was poured out and then he headed towards Nazareth. And a lot of the you know, last few weeks that we talked about this scripture has been as we go through uh, where Jesus was focusing on Nazareth. And in Luke chapter four, Jesus, we talked about him as prophet and Jesus, that's where he declared in Nazareth, a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. And so Jesus was then run out of Nazareth. Isn't it amazing that Jesus' friends, the closest to him, those religious folk, tried to kill him? They literally tried to throw him off of a cliff. And so Jesus walks through the crowd, and he leaves Nazareth, never to come back again. And he relocates the headquarters of his ministry in a little town, a little city, uh, whatever you want to call it. The name of it is Capernaum. That is the hometown of Simon Peter. It is a region in, Gal in Galilee, this region that's around the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was a huge, still is, a huge body of fresh water. It uh, today is smaller than it was, but today it's still 13 miles long, 8 miles wide. It's a big body of water, and it was filled with um, uh, fish and fishermen, and, and the surrounding areas were fertile grounds where there was a lot of farming and a lot of 
shepherding and herding and things like that were going on. And this is where much of Jesus' ministry will take place. In fact, you'll find that almost all of Jesus' ministry up, up to about the point in, in Luke chapter 19 will take place. And in Luke chapter 19 is when Jesus sets his face to head towards Jerusalem. And honestly, the whole scene shifts. And this is where we're going to pick up in this story in Luke chapter 4 in Capernaum. In verse 31, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was, this is what he was doing. He was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teachings for the word possessed authority. Now, it tells us that the people in Nazareth were also astonished with his teaching. But the response to how they were astonished was different. In Nazareth, the word went forth and they were astonished by that. But then they started to wait, go, wait a minute. You know what they started to do? They started to question that through who the word came. Isn't that the son of Joseph? In Capernaum, they received it as the word of God and realized that it had authority in that. And there was a difference in how they received that word. Listen, it's not about the vessel, it's about the word. You know, how do you receive this today? Well, that was just Mark. Or will you receive this as the very word of God that he wants to speak into our lives? Will we receive what God wants to speak and say to the church today? Amen. Because the word of God still contains the same authority that it had as Jesus spoke those words. And so we're learning about Jesus here. And we learned in Nazareth that he was the prophet and he was speaking as prophet. Now here we're going to learn more about Jesus' ministry. And, and here we begin to hear about and learn about his preaching and teaching ministry. So Jesus, he came and he was many, in many different roles. He was a prophet, he was a rabbi, and now he was a preacher and a teacher. And most of his earthly ministry was primarily preaching and teaching. He's preaching and teaching, and here he's preaching and teaching in the synagogue in this little town of Capernaum on the Sabbath. Now, their Sabbath was on Sunday, our, 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 our Saturday. Ours is on Sunday. We celebrate on the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ when the old covenant, including the Sabbath, was fulfilled and the new world began. This new kingdom dawned with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so Jesus is preaching. I want you, Jesus is preaching and he's teaching and the people are absolutely amazed because Jesus teaches like nobody they'd ever heard teach before. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. You know, it, it's one thing to listen to somebody teach compared to somebody who has the anointing to teach. There is just such a difference in that. And this is what Jesus was doing. He was anointed to preach and to teach. He was not, listen, Jesus did not bore people with the word of God. Okay, he, he wasn't a boring preacher. In that day, those rabbis and those who served, they were particularly skilled at boring people. And a lot of that was because these people, they, in that time, they weren't spirit-led. They weren't spirit-filled. They didn't carry the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and therefore, they were dull, and they were dry, and it was boring. And then Jesus shows up. 
And Jesus starts to preach this fiery message. Can't you just imagine the Holy Spirit beginning to speak to and then through Jesus, this fiery, intense message, this passionate message. Jesus was spirit-filled. He was spirit-led, and he began to preach with authority. His words went forth, and his words contained authority. Jesus began to preach as a spirit-led preacher, and he said that he would. In Nazareth, he said, as he quoted Isaiah, he said, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me to what to preach the good news he's doing exactly what was prophesied that he would do and he's preaching and he's teaching in the power of the Holy Spirit and the people were absolutely amazed they were amazed because they'd never heard anybody like that and so while Jesus when he walked on this earth Jesus in the flesh he was an absolutely amazing teacher but more than that don't forget this I said this over and over and over again. He was an amazing teacher, but he was also God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. And God in the flesh came into this world for you and for me. And he taught and shared and declared the good news. He then went unto the cross to carry the weight of our burden, our punishment, and went into the grave to purchase for you and I something that we did not deserve. And he gave us his grace. And he went into the grave and he defended defeated death, hell in the grave, and he arose from the grave alive to reveal himself to hundreds of people here on earth. And then he went back and he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he then sent the same Holy Spirit that was leading and filling him for you and for me. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower us today, to go out and to do what he's called us to do, to preach and to declare the good news, the word of God. And in that day, at that synagogue, the Bible says that the people were astonished. Are we being astonished by the word of God? I mean, even in your own time at home, are you being astonished in the word of God? Or bored with it? God, the Holy Spirit, he's not bored with the word of God. Maybe if you're being bored with the word, maybe it's because you're not inviting the Holy Spirit to come be part of it with you. Just something to think about. And then something happens. None of that's very controversial. None of that. But, man, Jesus, he... Jesus is always... He just surrounds himself, it seems like. Or he doesn't surround himself. He ends up surrounded by controversy. And something happens in this little synagogue in this little town of Capernaum. Verse 33, and in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Listen, you want to develop a really strong theology of Christ listen to what the demons said about him scripturally the demons man they have some pretty strong Christology their theology of Christ is right on and listen there are many of us the demons know who Jesus is but there's many many people in the church who don't we some struggle with that we know the name Jesus but we don't know the person of Jesus 
We know about him, but we haven't met him. These demons, they knew who he was. You know who they said he was? The Holy One of God. They declared him to be the Holy One of God. This was a category that was unto himself. There was nobody else like that. No one else had that. This was a one-of-a-kind description of a one-of-a-kind man that was standing there. This is Jesus. Who is he? The Holy One of God. And it was the demons who declared that. And here he is. He's preaching and he's teaching here in the synagogue. Listen, Jesus is in church and he's preaching in church. And who does he encounter? A demonized man. A demonized man was in church. A man who had an unclean spirit. In fact, the word that Luke uses is is an unclean demon, that phrase, unclean demon. Luke uses that, when I did a search on that, 23 different times in the Gospel of Luke does he use that statement, unclean demon. 23 times. Jesus keeps having these power encounters with the forces of hell, with the darkness. He keeps having these encounters with the demons, with these unclean demonic forces. Listen, church, when the kingdom of God comes, the kingdom of darkness will rise up against it. When the kingdom, listen, when the kingdom of light comes into your life, the kingdom of darkness will continue to oppose you. And this battle, listen, if Jesus battled, do you know what we're going to? And this battle is raging throughout the entire Gospel of Luke. 23 times he talks about just unclean demons, all the way up to the crucifixion of Christ. There's this ongoing place of description. And so we're going to learn a lot. You may not like it, but we're going to learn a lot about Satan and demons as we go through the Gospel of Luke. We're going to confront it at least 23 times. That's a lot. And here, this demonized man was in the synagogue. He was at church. Church, don't think for a moment that the demons don't go to church. In fact, don't think for a moment that there aren't people in church that are demonized. Just listen, don't think that just because people are in church, they're all good, and all those that are outside of the church are all demonized. Don't, listen, don't think that way. There are demonized people amongst God's people as well. Ooh, I don't think I like where he's going with this. Listen, just like Satan filled Judas to lead him to betray Jesus, even in the church, Satan will empower people. The Bible talks about that. He says that there's wolves in sheep's clothing. There's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing then. Gosh, why should we be so shocked when there's wolves in sheep's clothing when God said there will be wolves in sheep's clothing? Why would we be so so? Surprised to find out that people in church can be possessed. That doesn't sound. Listen, not everybody in church is saved. Okay, not, not everybody, just because we go to church doesn't mean we're saved. So 
So there are people, in fact, again, uh, we have to know that, you know, everything in the scripture, it's not unique just to us, and neither are we an exclusion of that, which, again, Luke, or Matthew chapter 7 says that there will be many who stand before the Lord one day and say, wait, I was in church, and I did this, and I prophesied, I did that, I did this, and they'll say, away from me, you evildoer, I don't know who you are. So that's what God said. So we have to just assume that there are people in church that God is describing in the scriptures here. So there are some in this place today that you may think you know Jesus, but Jesus doesn't know you. And therefore, you open yourself up to demonic oppression, to demonic empowering, to possession. Being demonized by an unclean spirit. Amen, Pastor Mark. <laughs> it's just true. And the enemy comes in as a wolf in sheep's clothing, and he comes in to bring division, and he comes in to create controversy, and he brings in the opportunity for us to see conflict and gossip to be filled with bitterness and hatred, to be filled with unforgiveness. He comes in and he brings all of these opportunities. And in the church, listen, Jesus is the good shepherd. Praise God for the good shepherd. As pastor, I am nothing more than an under shepherd. I am just serving him, serving you. And then there's the sheep, the the church, which we are made up of, of sheep. And the Bible tells us very clearly that Satan, he loves to send wolves in sheep's clothing. He loves to send the wolves in to separate the flock so that he can pick people off one at a time. That's what his design is. That's the way a wolf works. It comes in, separates the flock, and begins to pick off the sheep one at a time. And so he comes in to ravage the flock. You need to know that that's what the enemy is intending. He wants to ravage you. He wants to divide this church. He wants because he hates you. He hates us. He wants, listen, he wants to eat you. And he comes in and he, and he brings through all of these things attacks against the under shepherd. That's what he does. And so here, there's a demonized man gathering amongst God's people. So I think it's important that we understand something about Satan and demons. I think it's important for us to understand that. Well, why would we do that? This is not what I came to church to talk about. I didn't come to hear this. This is not what I came for. I don't understand that. Why don't we just focus on Jesus? Why don't we just focus and talk about Jesus? Why don't we just make it everything that Jesus, 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 Jesus? Well, listen, you know what? I'd love that. But that's not what God did. He shares with us these different things that we can understand so that we can understand and know how to overcome the enemy who wants to distract you from Jesus. And we need to understand that. Listen, this isn't my choice. We're going to do this because this is what God said. We're going line by line through the Gospel of Luke. We're dealing with this thing line by line as we go through the books of the Bible. And so we're just talking about what God's talking about. Come on, right? 
So if we're going to do that, which, again, when I announced that that's what we were going to do, you all applauded. Yay! You were happy about that. Line by line through the Bible. Yes, amen. Yes. yes. Can't you skip that line? <laughs> I don't know if I want to hear about that. Because, church, if we're going line by line through the Bible, you're going to learn a lot about Satan and demons. Yes. Because the Bible repeatedly talks about Satan and demons. Specifically, too, in, through the Gospel of Luke here. So we're just going to do it. Some of you aren't going to like it, and I'm going to share with you why you don't like it. There are usually, in, in many places, just like you know, this, we're separated by the center aisle. There are many separated by the center aisle. There are two equal and opposite errors that we have in regards to demons. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the screw tape letters, he, in talking about Satan and demons, he makes this really interesting statement. Let me just read this to you. I think I, I, think I put it up here. There we go. There are two equal and opposite errors unto which our race could fall about the devils. One is the disbelieve, uh, to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So when I, I knew that I was coming to this, and so when I mentioned Satan and demons, I saw a variety of reactions from you. There are some of you that, that you responded like, like many do, because listen, the moment I said demons, there's one of two ways in which people oftentimes, not everybody, but most people will respond. One is, like many did, they don't exist. And I can tell that you feel that way because you're the ones who rolled your eyes at me when I said we're going to talk about Satan and demons. We don't, what, 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 am I, what are we talking about this for? I don't even believe they exist. And because I don't even believe they exist, I don't worry about them. And I don't worry about them because they don't exist. So why are we wasting our time talking about something that doesn't exist? The enemy loves you. And that is some of you. Yet, there's others who have this unhealthy and inordinate obsession with Satan and demons. I mean, you blame Satan for everything. I mean, you pull an Eve on everything. Well, the devil made me do it. Oh, the devil made me do it. Well, you know, all oh, the devil made me do it. It's like everything else. We, we find a devil everywhere. We find a devil under every rock. We find a devil around every corner. We find a devil behind every blade of grass. And they're the ones who are causing me to do the things that I did. And we can get freaked out. We can get, we can get really freaked out. Like, it's like, yeah, today my coffee was hotter than it was yesterday. And it burned my lip. It must be a coffee demon coming out to remind me about the fires of hell. I mean, sometimes we just do. We'll coin a phrase here. Sometimes I think we get goofmonic. We, we, we just go over the top, and that's where some people go. In church, we have to find a biblical balance. Yes, we do. 
We have to find in the reality that yes, they do exist, but I also wanna share with you some things today that honestly will, will overcome both of those. We need to find ourselves in the place of biblical reality, not just hyperbole that makes us wanna believe what we wanna believe. So there are many reasons why people will deny Satan and demons. In the world in which we live today, I'm just gonna point out a couple of things here some very simple things that will encompass what I found to encompass a lot of the other reasons and things that I was reading and studying through. And some of the reasons why people will deny Satan and demons, one is they have been influenced by what I will call modernism. You see, the enemy has been on this few hundreds of years of enlightenment program this place where he, he, he's enlightened us to the scientific reality that only what we can see and only what we can touch is real. And because we can't see and we can't touch the spirit realm, that it must be received by faith, therefore, scientifically, and you got to follow the science. Come on. Oh, come on. How, long, how many times have we been taught that? got to follow the science. We don't know what it is, but you got to follow it. And because I can't touch and because I can't see the spirit realm, therefore, it's not real. And so we fall prey to modernism. We know better, which leads me to number two. Some don't believe in Satan and demons because you suffer from from what we're going to call chronological snobbery. There are a lot of people who, who read the scriptures and, and read back to some of the people in the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And, and honestly, in our minds, we almost relate them to, to cavemen. Ah, oh, those guys were so dumb. They were so archaic. They, they just did not understand. They were, they were so primitive. And as primitive as they were, they just didn't understand. And because they didn't understand, they went out and they began, like the Greeks, they just started to create these mythical figures. But now, come on, I, I, got, I got two years of community college under my belt. <laughs> I am educated. I have evolved. I am so much smarter than them. I know so much better than they did back then. Listen, I, you know, I, I am being a little sarcastic. I'm being a little sarcastic about something that's real. We have find ourselves in that place. How many of you, if you really be honest with yourself, find yourself thinking that way? Well, they were so far down the evolutionary line. You know, if you, if you allow yourself to continue to think that way, that's just dumb. Amen. And number three, the reason that many people will deny Satan and demons is because you've chosen to believe in spirituality. This is going to rub some of you the wrong way. Because spirituality, and I'm talking about the spirituality that causes us to embrace all the spirits. Come on in. 
I'm, we're all friends. Come on, good boy. And we embrace all the spirit world. We embrace everything that's spiritual. It's spiritual. You know, I've had people say, hey, well, are you born again? No, I'm just spiritual. I've always been spiritual. That's not a good thing. The Bible tells us you must be born again. That form, listen, church, and again, this was going to rub some of you the wrong way. That form of just spirituality where we embrace all the spirits, that kind of spirituality is demonology. Yes. You, you, you've opened the door to all sorts of demonic forces, and I'm going to talk more about that next week. Maybe I shouldn't tell you because some of you may not want to come back, but <laughs> listen, don't you want to, wouldn't you rather know than to just be swept away in ignorance to some of these things? Listen, just because something is spiritual does not mean it's good. In fact, I'll also say this. Much of or most of what we would have contended or experienced in the spiritual is demonic and satanic. Okay, I don't want you to be influenced by the spiritual. I want you to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and Him alone. Because Satan, Satan, and again, Satan is a created spiritual being. Okay, he is, he, and the Bible tells us that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He does a perfect imitation of the voice of God. Listen, he's an angel. He knows how to act like one. And the demons that are with him, they know how to act like angels. And they can do a perfect imitation of, uh, as an angel of light. Amen. Amen. And we live in this day and age, we live in this kind of weird age where as long as it's spiritual, if, as long as I'm spiritual, I'm fine. No, you're not. Amen. No, you're not. Church, understand that. And, and again, I just decided to go ahead and we'll step on everyone's toes, but... Just being spiritual isn't okay. Your yoga, it's a demonic religion. Study it. Get out of it. Don't be involved. You're, you're, the meditations that we get into, it's demonic. Many of the false religions that we see pervasive all around us, they're demonic. Your spirituality the supernatural experiences, not all, but may, many, are, are demonic, satanic. Amen, Pastor Mark. Amen. Sticking our head in the sand doesn't help anybody. We have to understand spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is not what we all think it is. Sometimes it's a little more choice-oriented where we need to make some choices in our spiritual warfare. Again, we'll talk more about that. Uh, my point, though, right now is that I don't want you to have an unhealthy, inordinate obsession with the demons, with Satan, with the demonic realm. We believe in them, church. We believe in Satan. We believe in the demons. We believe in the demonic realm. 
but we also emphasize Jesus Christ because he is the power and authority that rules over the demonic and over all of the spiritual. Jesus Christ is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and it's only in him that we will find victory over the forces of hell. I also don't want you to deny their existence or settle for some form of just vague general spirituality. Because church, just like Jesus did, you will encounter demonic spiritual forces in your life. If you've come to Christ, then you're going to experience some of these demonic forces in your life. And therefore, we need to know our enemy. Do you, do you know who your enemy is? Well, yeah, the enemy is Satan. Yeah, but you realize that like in the garden, he didn't come with horns and a pitchfork. He looked beautiful. Enticing. Giving you what you want. He's awesome. He's my friend. He will make you feel that way. I, I remember when I got, years ago, when I got my first Discover card. I got a Discover card because all of my Visa cards were run up to the max. And they were calling me and calling me. It was like, I hate you, Visa card. But now I've got my Discover card. They weren't calling me. They were giving me higher credit limits. Good old Discover card. Well, guess what? Discover card turned on me. <laughs> we need to know our enemy. Clinton Arnold, he is a wonderful New Testament scholar, one of the greatest scholars today on Satan and demons. And he wrote this. I'm just gonna read a statement that he said. He said, a servant of Christ can no more avoid demons than a gardener can avoid weeds. Look, if you're going to serve Jesus, you're going to confront demons. I could, I could and I'll share in the next coming weeks, but I could go through story after story about the forces of hell, the demonic things that have happened. Listen, if you're going to, if you're going to serve Jesus, you're going to confront demons. Just like if you're going to tend a garden, you're going to pull weeds. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. So we need to understand a few things about Satan. Number one, what I want you to understand is that, this is a biggie, church, that Satan is not equal to God. Okay, he is not. It is, listen, there are not two gods. There's not the good God and the bad God. It's not like God was divided when Satan fell or was cast out. There's not the yin and the yang. That's not the way that it works. Church, we have, we have two things in our universe, in our, in our, even beyond that. There is the creator, and there are created things. That, 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 everything falls into one of those two categories. It is, there is creator, and there are created things. Church, Satan is among the created things. He is a created being. He is an angel that was created for worship. He was created by God to glorify him, to honor him, to serve him, to obey him. And, and I'm going to give you guys some homework 
there's a lot more that you can do. This is not an exhaustive place, but I want you guys to write those down. Take a picture of those. And this week, I want you to go through, and I want you to read these four chapters. It'll be on the website, too. You can look it up. But I want you to read these four chapters because I want you to be able to grow. If you'll go through these, study these out, and see what it is that the Word of God is telling you about Satan, about demons, I think what will happen is it will help you to grow in your theology about those, to understand a little bit better about Satan and about demons. And again, I hope by the end of the day, you understand why this is so important to me and why it should be so important to you. Some of you are being, you know, just totally swept away and don't even know it. So the first thing we need to know is that Satan is not equal to demons. I mean, to God. Good. He's not. Because, again... God is creator, and these are created beings. These are angels that, that rebelled against God. Satan is that lead angel, was cast out of heaven. And the angels that declared war against God with him are those who were cast down with him as well. And so when we're talking about Satan, please understand, he is not creator. Only God is. He's the only one in this category over here as creator. And being that he is God and God only, he is also, listen, Satan is not omnipresent. He's not all present at all times. Only God is. Satan is not omniscient. Okay, he, he, he's not all-knowing. Only God is. And nor is he omnipotent or all-powerful. Only God is. Church, he's the only one in this category over here. And therefore, Satan, as a created being, does not share the attributes of God. He is not equal to God. He cannot stand up to God. He's not the other God. He's not a, a God of any kind. He is a created being that stands in rebellion against God, the creator. Okay, that's who he is. So Satan is there. He is a, a real enemy but he is not equal to God. Come on, amen? amen? Also, though, understand that Satan is not our only enemy. Okay, he does work through all sorts of, of false things. He works through false teachers. He works through false apostles, false prophets, false Christians, false religions. He has an army of people at his beck and call. They're called liars and deceivers, unrepentant sinners, the rebellious, and he'll use them. But the Bible also tells us that there are some other oppositions to God. In fact, John tells us that we also have to contend with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So we have to deal with Satan. We have to deal with the devil and the demons. We have to deal with those things. They definitely are in opposition. But we also have to contend with the flesh and we also have to contend with the world. And so just briefly to break those down, you know, we have the devil. We've been talking about that, Satan and the demons. Let me just say this. If you're being attacked spiritually, it's probably not Satan. Right? I mean, Satan is a limited being. He, can, he is a... a created being. Everything that's created has a number. I mean, even the sand of the seashore. God knows how many pieces, grains of sand there are on the beaches of this world. 
And he also knows how many hairs are on your head. He, everything that's created has a, is not finite. It is finite. I mean, it has a number. There is a number that we have. And Satan is an individual created being, can attack one at a time, can attack one region or one area at a time. And he can send a limited number of demons to attack a limited number of people. I did some research on that trying to find out how many demons are there. There's a lot of different, you know, speculations and reasons why different commentators and Bible scholars chose different numbers. And I'll just shoot out the, one of the higher numbers that I found were somewhere between 14 and 15 million demons. It's a lot of demons. But you also have to understand, you know, how many billion people are on the earth. I mean, there are a lot. And so Satan, he is the general, and he is a, he, you know, he is a master warrior. And so he's the one that is dispatching his drones to go out and to do what it is that the demons would do in limited number. And so if you're being harassed, it's probably not Satan. Satan is, is probably after, again, bigger fish than certainly me. And so he's out there, though, sending those who would come and attack. And so we, we come under attack by the servants of Satan, the servants of hell, the demons. That's so this man here was a demonized man. It was a demon that was after him. And so there's the devil, and then there's this. There's the flesh. That is your internal, our internal predisposition towards rebellion and towards sin and towards death. It is our own sinful tendencies, the inclinations that we have to do that which is wrong. It's our own sick desires which cause us to want to rebel and do things that are evil. And honestly, for most of us, our issue is not with Satan. Our issue is with the flesh. Most struggle with the flesh. Think about it. If there is, and, and I, you know, I found there, there is, what the number is, I don't know, but there is a limited number of demons. And if there is a limited number of demons, why in the world would Satan commission a demon to attack you if you're already destroying yourself? If it's a battle, if we're in a battle, and we're in the battle, and I see that you already have the gun in your mouth, why in the world would Satan send some demon that's in limited number when you're getting ready to kill yourself, to destroy yourself? And again, I'm not talking about that in a suicidal way. I'm talking about it in a lifestyle way. You're gonna destroy yourself. And some of you are doing just that. You're doing that with habitual, unrepented sin. And you think, it's okay, I can just keep doing this, it's okay. Look, nothing bad has happened yet. We do that, we, we do that with uh, all sorts of different things. Spirituality, false religions, cults, arrogance, self-will, pride. Satan loves to use pride, that's one of his favorite uh, tools to use against us. In fact, that's the reason he was cast out of heaven. It was pride. But today, you know what? He confuses pride. We don't call it pride anymore. We call it self-esteem. Yeah. 
Church, if any of you are bound by these things, Satan doesn't need to attack you. Your flesh is taking care of it. That inclination towards sin, your pride, your religion, your sex, you're giving in to homosexual tendencies, giving in to lifestyles that are counter Christ, drugs, drunkenness, gluttony, foolishness, spirituality, just ignorance, religion. It does a number on us. And when we've given in to those things, those places in the flesh, you know what? We've put the gun in our mouth. You can't blame Satan. Amen? Amen. So there's the devil, there's the flesh, and then there's the world. And the world is that corporate system of structures and ideologies that all oppose God. Church, in the world in which we live today, in the world in which we've been all born into, no matter when or where we were born into, if you believe what everyone around you believes, if you act like everyone around you acts, if you talk like everyone around you talks, you will be living a Satan-inspired life. You just will. Now, it may be a spiritual life, but it will be a satanically-inspired spiritual life. Guys, went quiet on me. <laughs> Listen, the world, the, the whole purpose in this fallen world in which Satan was cast is to tempt you to sin, is to bring you into a place of sin, to teach you, to train you, to use people, to disobey God, to live for your own glory, to live for your own will, not the will of God, not the glory of God, to live according to yourself and what you want because it's all about you and you're a consumer and not a giver. You're selfish and not giving. You're not sharing. It's something that God teaches, use people to get what we want rather than help people to get what they want or need. It's a system, church, that is a world system, and it is a system filled with false ideologies, and it totally dominates our culture. And if you don't believe me, I, again, I, I say it this way, but I would not suggest you do this. Watch Avatar. I was shocked, again, to, to read. I had, hadn't even thought about that movie in so long and it came to my mind I looked you know that is the most popular movie of all time do you know that more people have watched that movie than any other movie that's ever been made I know some of you are like Avatar <laughs> never heard of that but it is I was shocked more I mean far and away the most popular movie of all time and it is a movie that is filled with a sermon of complete false ideologies it is absolutely demonic in what it's teaching. It teaches us this, that we're not sinners, that we're born good. And it's what's in you. It's not what you need out of you. We're, 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 just, we're just good. We're not sinners. We just need to be reconnected to the divine force that's within us. Church, it's classic paganism. It is new age 
paganism. And we need to understand that. And, and that teaching in the movie is that we're just spiritually connected. All of us, we're all a part of the divine. We're just in that place. Listen, it presents a false worship of created things rather than God the creator. And it teaches us in that movie the exact opposite of what the word of God declares. And, and listen, church, if you want to understand paganism, the essence of paganism, read Romans chapter 1. You'll find a description of paganism right there, and, and especially and specifically in verse 25 when it says this, because they exchanged, listen, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Have we exchanged the truth for a lie because the lie is more convenient? The lie seems easier to live with. The lie pleases me. And it says, so they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. See, when we receive it and, and begin to believe a lie rather than the word of God, what will begin to happen is we will begin to worship created things rather than the creator. And that created thing can be anything. It can be something from Satan to a, a demon to yourself to a tree to a bird. And we fall to new age paganism when we give in to doing exactly what the word of God tells us not to do. And this whole movie, church, it is, I mean, it is indoctrinating people. It is something that is drawing our kids in. And our kids are watching these things. They're watching these movies and being indoctrinated into new age paganism. And we, because we, because we are, are, are so illiterate biblically, we don't understand and we don't know how to help our kids come out of that and not let that impact their life. And so they're watching these movies and they're just enthroned, enthralled with it. The visuals are amazing and it draws them in and draws people in. Of course it does. Satan wants you to enjoy, to be drawn in by the visuals because he wants you to embrace and he wants you to have an experience with a lie. Yes, he does. So that we can walk, and I watch people that, I, honestly, Christians come out of that. That movie, oh, it was so enlightening. No, it's not. It's so darkening. Church, it has nothing to do with the light. It is an antichrist worldview that is being perpetrated upon us through what we see as simple entertainment. But because it's simple entertainment, we'll go and we'll let them preach this demonic doctrine to us and to our children. And we receive it. And it tells us, it tells us, that, you know what, the problem isn't sin. It's just that we're disconnected from the divine. We're disconnected from the demonic spiritual life force is the reality. And the problem, listen, the problem isn't that you need a savior. The problem is that you just need to live a life that's just more in tune with creation. You know what that is? That is Eastern garbageism. Yes, it is. It is garbage. You know what? All you need to do is just spark the divine within you because God's in everything. You don't need God to come to you. You don't need God to save you. You just need to turn to the creation. Church, it's worldliness. Yes, it is. It's paganism. And we have got to understand it. 
it, is, it seems to be so simple and it seems to be so harmless. Well, look what's happening. It's not harmless. So we have these enemies. There's the world, this system of thinking, this system of corruption. You know, you know what the worldliness wants to do? It wants to teach you lies. And it wants to teach you lies about you, lies about God, lies about the world, and lies about your place in the world. There's the flesh, the internal born into us predisposition towards rebellion, sin, and death. That's why nobody is born saved. Everybody needs a savior. You were not born saved. You may have been born spiritual, but that's not a good thing. You need to be born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. Without being born again, you have no hope of overwhelming and overcoming the spiritual forces of the demonic because by yourself, you are no match. So there's the flesh and then there's the devil, a very real enemy. Church, a very real enemy, his demons. But you know what the demons do? I was thinking about this and it kind of hit me. You know what the demons do is the demons, what they want to do is they want to come in and they want to get us to, they want to begin to work together to get our flesh to begin to follow the world and to turn our back on scripture. I mean, if they can do that, they don't have to continue to oppress you. Because they're not the only enemy. Satan's not the only enemy. So therefore, the third thing and the last thing I'm gonna talk about today is that you need to know your enemy. You need to know your enemy. Satan, listen, church, Satan is not like God. Satan is not God. He's not equal to God. He doesn't have the power of God. He doesn't have the abilities of God. Satan, he's not your only enemy. There's the, there's, there is Satan, there's the flesh, there is the world. But he is a very real enemy. Okay, don't discount that. Therefore, you need to know your enemy. You need to understand him. We are called scripturally to study about this. We need to know. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, it says Satan, it basically tells us Satan won't outwit us providing we understand his schemes. We have to understand his schemes. If we don't understand his schemes, he will outwit us day after day after day. Therefore, we have to understand him. Now, you know, some of you have, have, in your life, some of you have been in fights. Many of you probably have never been in a fight. If you've been in a fight, maybe it was because you were, you know, military or because you were in some kind of athletic competition or because you were a drunken idiot. <laughs> but if you've never been in a, in a fight, you may not understand this. If you've been in one, you know this. You know the key is to study and understand your opponent. If you want to have victory, you need to know your opponent. If you don't know your opponent, you don't understand who you're fighting against, the odds of losing go way up. You need to know their strengths. Why? So you can defend against them. You need to know their weaknesses. Why? So you can attack there. Now, I am not a huge MMA fan. It is brutal. But there are times when I get sucked into watching. Simply because, again, the, the reason that I do, I like to watch that is because in, back in school, I was a wrestler and I was on the wrestling team. And so I love to watch, I love to watch the wrestlers beat up all the other guys. 
in MMA, one of the things you find is that there are a lot of different styles of fighting, a lot of different things. There, there are the wrestlers, there's the jiu-jitsu, there's the Muay Thai, there's boxers, and, and many different kinds of fighting, but each and every one of the disciplines of fighting all have strengths and they all have weaknesses. So I love to watch the wrestlers because, again, it, I was a wrestler. And so the wrestlers, listen, if a wrestler is fighting against a boxer, the first thing the wrestler has to do is continually start by kicking the boxer's feet. He kicks the boxers in the leg. He kicks the leg repeatedly. Why? Because if the boxer plants his feet, he's going to knock him out. His strength is to knock him out. And if he's able to plant his feet, there's a good chance he's going to get knocked out. So he kicks his leg. He kicks his legs so that he can't plant his feet and waits for the opportunity when he can shoot for a takedown and get this guy down on the ground. Because when the wrestler has the boxer on the ground, he's usually going to beat the tar out of him. Because now he's operating in the boxer's weakness and his own as a wrestler's strength. And all of these different places, they have all these different... Strengths and weaknesses. But we got to understand, and my point is this, that you have to know who your enemy is. You need to know the strengths and the weaknesses. And God has given us all that information in his word. Everything you need for victory, God has given us. And church, you need to defend yourself. You need to know how. You need to know how to attack at the point of strength. You need to know what you're doing in this. If you don't, if you don't understand his schemes, he will continue to outwit you and you will be defeated day after day after day. How as a Christian can I be defeated day after day after day? It's because you haven't taken the word of God into your life and begun to use it as the weapon of warfare that God has given to you. You need to understand what Ephesians chapter 6 tells you. You need to understand what it is that God has provided for you so that we can begin to find the victory that God has, the victory that he's provided. Doesn't the Bible tell us that he has set us free, that it's for freedoms that he has set us free? We need to begin to learn what we need to do to walk out this salvation and find the freedom that God has provided for us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Worship team, would you come back up? I want to finish by just with this, back in the story. So, so the devil has gotten access to somebody in the church. Okay, the devil came into church. There was somebody, a demonized, unclean spirit, came to church. And Jesus, he's in church. God in the flesh is in church and there's a demon in church and Jesus is preaching and he's teaching and all of a sudden the demon starts to manifest through this guy. And now again, can't you imagine what all the people were there just like, oh boy, church just turned into an octagon. This is gonna go bad. I mean, they were expecting a tremendous conflict because that's what they had seen before. And listen to what happens in verse 35. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. 
and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding regions. So they're amazed with Jesus' authority and his word and the word that came forth. And now they're, they're just totally taken back and amazed by the power in commanding the spirits this unclean spirit to go. Because in that day, listen, you read your scriptures, you'll find that rabbis tried to deal with demons. They didn't like to. They couldn't have liked to. Because most of the time, these guys, they didn't know what they were doing. Most of the time, it went really, really bad for them. They got the tar beat out of them. Because they didn't know what they were doing. They were trying these religious incantations and all of these different things to try to drive out the demons and to try to get, find victory over the demons. And they, and they lost. They got beat up every time. Church, you can't deal with demons on your own. You can't. And in this place, Jesus shows up. And Jesus says this. Shut up and get out of here. And they were all amazed because the demons did it. Do you know why the demons did that? Because Jesus' authority. It was the authority of Jesus Christ. The demons obeyed him because he is God. And they have to obey him because he has the ultimate authority. Church, he has the ultimate authority in all things against all things. Remember, he is God creator and everything else is in submission as the creation. You need Jesus to overcome the demonic forces that have tried and, and have probably in many cases been successful in oppressing your life. You need Jesus to come into your heart. You need Jesus to come and to minister his salvation and his power and to pour out his spirit in your life. Biblically, the Bible tells us that there are those in the church that have never had a born-again experience, have never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior of their life. Listen, you being here in church can't save you. Only the one that we come to honor in this church will save you. Only Jesus Christ. And you must be born again. That's not a vague, uh, I think sometime back. No, that's a moment in our life when God comes in and he removes the sin that's oppressed our life and gives us the freedom that only Christ can bring. It happens in a moment. Are you born again? Don't let the enemy deceive you. And don't let the pride that wants to rise up in your flesh overwhelm you. He's here to bring victory, salvation, grace. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, if there be any here that are apart from you, I pray, Lord, that you would send your spirit to begin to draw them. Lord, my words are, are empty without you. But I pray that you would fill them up, that people would hear and receive what you want to say to them in their own hearts today. And church, if you're not born again, today is the day to say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. I'm sick and tired of just walking this religious thing and thinking that, uh, 
uh, thinking that I'm heaven bound while I'm living like hell. God, I need you. Come into my life. Jesus, I'm undone without you and I realize that. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Help me, Lord God. Find that born again place in you. I want you. I need you. Maybe others of you, you've been influenced by the flesh. You've been influenced by the darkness. You've been influenced by the worldly ways and it's overwhelmed you and and again, you know that you're walking in total disobedience and rebellion to God. Right now, ask the Holy Spirit to come. Listen, you, you can't live your life with the Holy Spirit and not be convicted in regards to sin and in regards to righteousness. And if you're not experiencing that conviction, you need to give your heart to Jesus and ask Him to seal you with the Holy Spirit, to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to empower you with the Holy Spirit. Have you been more influenced by your flesh than by the Word? Have you been more influenced by the worldly ways than by the Word of God? Have you been more amazed by what's going on in the world around you than it is that you've been amazed by the Word and what God has done for you? If that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to make a quick response. Just to lift up your hands and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I, I have been in that position, and I need prayer today. See that? Come on. Is there any others in this place? I'm just going to wait a moment. Don't, don't hesitate, church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, you see each and every hand, but even more importantly, you see each and every heart. I pray, God, that you would have your way in each and every one of these that are here today, that you would move in their life and that you would minister unto their hearts. God, have your way to set free those who are calling upon your name. And I'm going to ask you today, this is you, up to you. That's why everybody's heads are bowed. Nobody knows whose hand was raised. But I'm going to ask you today, if you lifted up your hand, I'm going to ask you to make a bold step. Just to step out of your seat and to come to the altar and to let us pray together. The Bible is very clear about learning and calling us to pray one for another. I know it's a bold step. God wants us to find that freedom. If that's you today, step up out of your seat and come on up to this altar while we sing. Come on, let's everybody stand together. And uh, again, come on up. And then we have some of you prayer team, prayer warriors, come to pray with us. Darkness dream Jesus.
Well, we're going to sing through that one more time. And if the Lord is tugging on your heart, don't leave this place without responding to that tug. Step up here to the altar and let us pray together. Come on, let's sing through it one more time. with the heart that I intended to be received in. I love you. I care about you. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks really fine-tuning some of our thoughts and some of these places of theology uh, according to what the Bible has to say about these forces of hell. Our God has given us victory. Amen? Let's learn what it is to walk in that victory. Praise God. Praise God. Go be the church. Church is not over. Church is about to begin. Go be the church. God bless you.